Welcome to the Insightful Player Podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. In each episode, Chrissy interviews NFL players and other professional athletes to help transform our culture to be inclusive, kinder, and more loving. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. Chrissy is also the author of the book, Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of this show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Now, here's the host of Insightful Player, Chrissy Carew. Welcome back to the Insightful Player Podcast. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest on our show. We have Kevin Riley. Kevin um, is unbelievable. You're just going to love him. Um, he retired from the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Patriots. And he's was a corporate exec for like 30 years. He's um, a professional speaker who, by the way, gets a standing ovation when he speaks. Um, he's also an author and a broadcaster. And most importantly, he's a very proud father, grandfather, and husband. Um, you know, Kevin's uh, career came to a screeching halt um, because he got cancer and he lost his arm, he lost um, his shoulder, and most of his ribs. And it was a complete shock. Here he's this Hollywood handsome man, physically sound, very athletic, brilliant too, by the way. And all of a sudden, his whole life changed. Um, and at first, everyone who was really well-meaning told him all these things that he couldn't do. You know, he wouldn't be able to tie his tie, tie his shoes, um, drive. Um, but guess what? He ties his tie, he ties his shoes, he drives. He joined a racquetball team at his company when he finished his recovery. And he played golf. He's a really good putter, from what I understand. And he also has won some marathons. Do you believe this? Um, Kevin is the epitome of courage, resilience, love, kindness, generosity. And he looks at losing his arm as the biggest blessing in his life. Kevin, welcome. Chrissy, great to be back with you. And uh, gosh, I just wish. Uh, Somebody can give that speech when I'm standing in front of the God up there because I'm going to need it. <laughs> no, you're going to, as my mom used to say, you're going to fly over the Golden Gate. So yeah, you're not going to have to wait in line. <laughs> I'll take it any way I can get in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're so amazing. You've been through so much um, to say that you overcome tragedy and have you continue to lead a purpose-driven life is a complete understatement. And many people are, are just in awe of, of how many times you have gotten up when you've been pulled down and, and it's been a tough road for you. But you've taken um, the lessons and the perseverance and the, the will, I don't know, um, and, and you go out and help people. Where did you get that will? Please help us understand this. Well, I was the oldest of six kids in a family that was really just middle class. and. Um... I guess the guy got the competitive spirit playing sports. I love sports. And I played baseball, football, and basketball. And even in high school, I was 
captain of the football team and captain of the basketball team. And I go into an all boys high school uh, that had 1,100 kids in it. And um, I don't think that's happened since I was there that somebody was the captain of two major sports. So there was something in me, and I think from my heritage, I had a hardworking dad and a really hardworking mom. My grandfather was a hard worker. And, you know, that was what it was expected. Um, I've always thought, even back in the day when things were great during the 60s, I think it was, I think the 60s were the greatest era to ever grow up as a kid. You know, there we were out of war. Uh, people were doing well financially. They were building houses in the suburbs. Uh, you didn't have social media to mess up your, your brain. And I've often told people, say, well, did it stop you from dreaming? And I, I had to think about that. And I went, no. They was, when did you think you, you know, wanted to play pro football? When did it come to you? You might have a chance. And I had to smile. I said, well, I, I don't want to sound like uh, I'm egotistical, but I said, you know, those 20 to 30 minutes sometimes where you're waiting for a ride to the next practice or the game, because all the parents shuffled kids around. And I can remember getting six, seven guys from a baseball team in the back of a pickup truck, which you could never do today. But, you know, and then we also drank out of the, the garden hose, which you would never do today. But <laughs> there were a lot of things like that. And, um, you know, while I'd be waiting for that ride or whatever was coming next, it wasn't unusual for me to just grab a ball. I had a little basketball court in the backyard and go out and pretend. And, you know, pretend I was playing for the 76ers or the Philadelphia Eagles or my Philadelphia Phillies. And you never told anybody about that. But, you know, it was one way of dreaming. And I really believe that on our, you know, unconscious uh, brain that sometimes that tape recording still going. Our conscious brains will tell us one thing that can be done and reality and all that. But subconsciously, things happen to us. And that's how I, I believe that they hypnotize people as they get to that subconscious part and you never know you know I can remember saying well if I put on some weight because I was a string bean I was six foot at one time 127 pounds and you know I looked wow. like I was in a third world country but then I started to you know to bulk up trying to eat the right foods I got in the weightlifting and one thing led to another and I had some setbacks but I guess from coming from a tough family you know that was just minor i mean it was not going to last long this too shall pass and if you got through it you know uh with a little bit of um hard scrapple a little bit of grit it made you stronger for the next obstacle and that's what i think is really going to be a problem as we move forward these people that young people that are coming out of colleges now there's job opportunities for sure but Everybody wants to get atop as fast as they can. They don't want to go through the process of having to struggle a little bit. And you said it earlier, anytime you struggle or you go through a tough period of time, those are lessons learned you can't buy. You just can't buy them. And you look at some of the people that I've met along the way and, and being a motivational speaker, there's always one or two more there with me and you know, we'll chat afterward. Their stories are just as good, maybe better than mine. Uh, so it's a matter of, the human spirit, I say, is stronger than anything that can happen to it. And I'm proof of that. And there was a day I was laying in that hospital bed in Sloan Kettering Hospital. And if it wasn't for a guy by the name of Rocky Blyer, who gave me the phone call that made me believe that I could be a good, healthy person going forward once I got past 
you know, the diagnosis that they had gotten all the cancer. And I had a rare scar tissue called desmoid. And it was really 10 years I would have to wait until I got the blessing that I was in remission. And every time I went up to the hospital, I worried if that thing had come back again. Because with all the parts that I've lost in my body, you kind of wonder where will they go next? Um, they were kidding me the other day at the, the uh, Hall of Fame. I went to see Coach Dick Vermeil get enshrined in the Hall of Fame. We've become very good friends. And one of the guys was kidding me. I mean, it's just it was locker room mentality, even 40 years out, which is fantastic that you can say the things you said in the locker room, you know, in 1970. And as long as you're with this group, nobody takes it serious. As a matter of fact, if nobody picks on you, you feel left out. And so, <laughs> you know, one of the guys said to me, Riles, what are you going to do when you get in front of your creator? And he said, what'd you do with all the parts I gave you? You're missing an arm, a shoulder, five ribs. You've lost your gallbladder. You're missing 11 teeth. And you've, uh, you know, you've had a little bit of a problem with one of your, your glands. What are you, what are you going to tell them? I said, I don't know. It's just, I, you know, I'm, I'm working, I'm working the best I can with what I got is what my answer was. So, you know, I often think about perspective and it's been a big word for me through my life. Put things in perspective. A couple of uh, people that, you know, have really think their life is not really good right now. And they're living in this country. The perspective I use, and I hope this isn't too harsh for the audience, but my heart goes out to a 19-year-old Ukrainian woman who's holding a baby in one arm and a baby in another arm and is dodging bullets and missiles and hasn't seen her husband in eight weeks and he's in the army. That's a problem. Not the fact that this guy in front of you is going too slow in traffic. Not the fact that you missed breakfast this morning. Well, you won't miss lunch and you won't miss dinner, so get over it. You know, it's just those little things that we have become the biggest complainers in the world because, Chrissy, we have so much. And, you, it's you know, so it's true. just so It's so true. And, Kevin, when I think of gratitude, and, and I agree with you um, completely on this, I, I think of you and perspective, just like you said, with that poor mom holding the baby with bullets flying, and here we are. We have everything we need. Um, but we need a much stronger and a broader and a more grateful perspective. What, what do you recommend for that? Because you're brilliant. Well, well, I, I, I don't know that I have, you know, a world cure for it, but I do know this. <laughs> I do know that uh, you'd need to struggle in order to appreciate perspective. And if people would just look to, and you know, the people that I get to talk to, I, I know I'm making, when I get up and talk to 400 people, and 20 of them come up to talk to you afterward. That's about the number of people who weren't even going to be there that day. And they weren't mentally there until I started challenging them. And then they start to think, you know, I, yeah, this, what am I thinking about? Perspective. You're going to go home tonight under a roof. If it's hot outside, you got air conditioning. If it's cold outside, you got heating. You're probably going to have three meals a day unless you're on a diet. I mean, those things are taken care of. And so many people in this world don't have any of that. Or have half of it or a third of it. Perspective. Work yourself through this thing. And then I try to tell them that the best lessons we learn is when we have hardships, because that's when we start to appreciate the good times. And I'm just so afraid right now that these young people coming through our system have had such good times and have had everything, you know, sheltered for them. I mean, I take a look at going to ball games now and having parents 
go out there and defend their kids, why they're not playing. And the reason they're not playing, they're not good enough to play. Everybody gets a trophy now. And why isn't my kid playing? And they're arguing with the coaches. And I go like, I, you know, this wouldn't have happened in a million years back in the day. Right. You weren't good enough. You got cut. Right. You know, one of the stories there that I tell Brian Westbrook out of Villanova University. He went to DeMatha High School. Five foot seven, 215 pounds as a, as a uh, NFL player. But all along his career, that was too short. He got cut from the freshman football or sophomore from the fo football team. He came back and be became their star player in the junior and senior year. He was also their star player in basketball. He didn't get one division one offer. He took Villanova and the first game that Villanova played in order to make some money was against Pittsburgh, a division one class A team. We were a division one double A team. So he's going to play as a freshman. And he begged to take the kickoffs and punch returns, something nobody wants to do because you get clobbered. You got 11 oh. guys coming down to, you know, take you out. He scored on the first touchdown from uh, the kickoff, and he almost scored again on a punt. And he went up to the coach after the game and said, you're going to wish that you, you know, gave me a scholarship. And he got drafted in the third round by the Philadelphia Eagles, and he should have got drafted in the first round. And someday he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, at least in the Eagles Hall of Fame. But there was a guy that was driven on. I got a chip on my shoulder because nobody believes in me, but I believe in me. And that's what a lot of the young people are missing today, and not even the young people. Anybody who really comes up against a hardship, they're ready to throw in the towel and cry and woe is me. And, you know, they don't think about what can I do to be, as Rocky Blyer said to me on his closing statements <clears throat> that day, your goal today, Kevin, is to be the best one-armed person you can be. Simple. Yeah, I know he had a, he was a big uh, you know champion for you, especially in the early days. And you're so right. Um, these people, um, there are so many people that overcome tremendous obstacles and have enormous personal, professional, and spiritual. And I think one thing that can help people is go read some books about those people, go to movies about watch those people. Because it, it makes you believe more in yourself. Because we're all the same, you know? We're all the same. What do you think, Kevin? Well, you know, you brought up the question. I'm going to answer it now. What is the cure for this? Um, I, I hate uh, doing this, but uh, this little book here, it's called Holy Moments. It's written by a guy named Matthew Kelly, big-time Christian. And we're getting away from God as we continue to strive for all these material things in our, in our lives, you know, and the younger kids, they want it now and they want it faster. They don't want to wait. And so the holy moments is nothing more than the golden rule of treat others as you would have them treat you. And I just written, wrote down a quote from John Wooden that I, I'm starting to collect quotes for my talks. Okay. Oh boy, this, this quote was perfect. He said, every day, if you want to make yourself the best person you can be, every day, do something for someone that can't pay you back. That's you. That's, well, that's what you do. I mean, well, that's, what, that's how I you I don't do, do enough of it, and I'm trying yeah. to do more of it. Now it's on my mind consciously every day. You know, 16 years of playing football, I'm a real good guy to you piss me off. 
<laughs> and I was conditioned, you know, I went to some counseling when I got out of football. I was conditioned. The counselor told me after 16 years of being told, if you get hit, you get it back up and you hit the guy back harder. You're conditioned to do that. So if somebody disrespects you, cuts in front of the line on you, the linebacker would come out of me. And guess what? It wasn't doing me any good. You know, I would feel good for the moment, you know, challenging somebody or whatever. <laughs> it's really funny because one of my buddies saw me, you know, lose it one day and I went out and challenged this guy. And the guy, I, I could tell the guy's thinking to himself, yeah, I'm going to, let's go right here. Let's, let's go fight. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, hey this is a, he's going to back down because it's a lose-lose situation. If I beat him, he's going to be embarrassed. If he beats me up, everybody's going to say you beat a guy with one arm. <laughs> so I had to get out of that mentality of being able to say, okay, just take it, okay? A little, another holy moment. Just absorb it. Make, make yeah. yourself a better person. I'm fighting with it every day. I'm getting a little better. I don't, I don't go into road rage anymore. It's not worth it. And the other thing is, I don't know who has a gun in that car. So I just go, <sighs> take a deep breath. But if, you know, if we were just a little kinder and just thought about taking care of, you know, other people at different times. And I'm a total believer, totally believe in the fact there are more good people in this world than there are bad. But boy, the bad really get the publicity. That's true. And that's why we're back with Insightful Player to showcase people like you that are doing beautiful things in the world. And you're right, the whole kindness piece. It is really important to be kind to someone that could really use it, um, especially if they're grouchy. <laughs> and um, be curious. And I think we need to be more curious um, to try to understand the different point of view because here we there's like night and day with how we are politically in this world right now. And people are angry and yelling at each other and screaming at each other and nobody's hearing anything, you know? And I think if we could get more curious and try to understand where they're coming from, I think we could really, we could really help our culture. What do you think? Well, you, you just hit a really good word called listening. Mm -hmm. The reason God gave us two ears and one mouth is we should listen twice as much as we talk. Right. And I'm, I can't remember who this quote is, but I remember the quote. Listening to someone else is the greatest respect that you can give to that person. True. I'm interrupting them. You know, I'm often think about when somebody interrupts somebody else or they interrupt me, mm -hmm. they're not listening. They're thinking about what they're going to say next and they can't wait to tell you. So they have to get it out. So they interrupt. Right. But, you know, listening is very, very important to getting people's confidence in themselves because you are telling them, regardless of what they're talking about, even if you're politically against it or religiously against it or whatever. You're saying, I'm hearing you out because I respect you as a human being. I may not agree with you, but I'm going to give you my time and listen to you, even if it doesn't sink well with me. It's true. We would have much more peace if we all did more of that. Um, but how did you do it when, you know, you had to keep getting up? That resilience and that perseverance is just so prevalent. And these people are out there right now, they're down and out, they're lonely. You know, some people have met, had a lot of losses um, with, with COVID, jobs, et cetera. And, you know, people are fighting left and right as just very little piece of it. 
Um, and it, it just amazes me. Um, it just amazes well, me. You know, and I had, at the time of my operation, I had big, big worries. I had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and infant. And I'm thinking, I was working for Xerox at the time, wonderful company. But I thought, are they going to let me go out and still call on customers as a sales representative looking like this? Um, what Am I going to go into the back room and be an administrator? Or are they just going to tell me, hey, you know, after the next six months, uh, we're going to pay for all your hospitalization, which they did do at the time. Uh, but you're going to have to find another job. And I worried about making a living. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to feel sorry for myself because I kept looking at these three little pictures that were in my hospital room. And every time I looked at them and thought of that thought, I'd get teary eyed, you know, like, hey, this is on me. How how am I going to come back from this? I got to get a job. I got to take care of these kids. I got a wife. She doesn't deserve this either. And I started to focus on what is the fix here rather than what was me. And that's the only thing I can do to explain it. <laughs> and, you know, I am a little, um, they would say, uh, I, I move along at a rapid rate, sometimes too fast. I think I need to slow things down just so I can be more consistent about what I'm doing. But that being said, I just didn't have time to have a pity party. I had to think, would Xerox have me back? And then when they said we, they'd have me back, I want to start next next month. And I shouldn't have done that. But I, because I went in, I was salesman of the month for the first month. But guess what? Nobody was in my territory. So I picked up all the, you know, low hanging fruit and everybody going, look at this guy. He came back and he ran for a touchdown, you know? <laughs> well, now they think you're okay and you can do everything. Well, I was still learning how to adapt to driving, you know, mm -hmm. keyboarding, all that stuff. Everything took twice as long. Getting dressed took twice as long. Now they've forgotten that, hey, Riles is out there doing it. Don't worry about him anymore. Whoa, no, I'm still learning this thing. And after three months, I hit a I hit a wall and I went into a depression and it wasn't like I could go take a time out. I need to get through this depression. I had to work through it. And it was really hard. It was really, really hard. But all I had to do was look at those three kids for inspiration. And I don't know what I would have done if I was single, to tell you the truth. But when you have people that are dependent on you, you will find extraordinary resilience to help them because you love them so much. And you put yourself way down the totem pole. And I needed to do that. You're, you know, 25 years old on the talk of the town, local guy playing for the Philadelphia Eagles in his hometown, you know, a little full of myself. All of a sudden, reality hit me in the face like a guy on a kickoff. And that woke me up. And going through that took grit. Going through it took resilience. And when you get through it and you start to thrive again, you say, I can take on the next challenge because I did this one. That's great. And you had a lot of support. It's obviously you were very loved. And that's what we need for other people out there that are struggling. They need, we need to build support teams um, because they don't have that. A lot of people don't have that because they're, they're too embarrassed to share what's going on. They don't want to be transparent and vulnerable. They think it, it makes them look less than is the opposite. I admire vulnerability and transparency in many. Um, so I wish we could find a way to build a support team. So if anyone well, out there, oh, go ahead. You're, you're absolutely, the support I got was incredible. I mean, 
I still have a box of the cards and letters that came flooding in. Um, <laughs> funny story. There was a female sports writer for what was called the Philly Daily. It was supposed to be just a sports newspaper. And um, she was one of the writers. And she had interviewed me on my first operation when they just removed my clavicle and they thought they got it all and then it came back. And she found out that I went back in and had my arm removed from my shoulder. And she called the hospital that day trying to get an update on me because, and I answered the phone. <laughs> I answered the phone just as I was given about 10 minutes earlier, a morphine shot. Oh. I, I was feeling no pain, you know? <laughs> and I was having this lovely conversation. She was like, she couldn't even believe I was picking up the phone. She thought she was going to talk to somebody, you know, nearby in the room or a parent, my parents. And so we had this conversation that I vaguely remember, but I must have said, you tell everybody back in Philly, I'll be back. So my dad comes in the next day and throws me this newspaper. And there I am on the front page with my kids and my, my ex-wife. And it says, Kevin Riley says, I'll be back. He said, well, <laughs> you just set the uh, bar kind of high. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> that's, that's great. So anyone out there, if they need support, I want you to reach out to me. I'm happy to do a mastermind call with any of you, give you some support because you deserve it. Um, so Kevin, let's talk about your book. Kevin has an amazing book. Um, I have it right here, Tackling Life. Um, I highly recommend it. I couldn't put it down. And I understand a lot of people do it in one reading because it's so good. Yeah, you know, and, and they're going to get the indication like, I'll never go through people that are watching this, what I went through. But mm -hmm. in there, I talk about three major problems in my life. This was the first one. The second one was my wife of 20 years left me for another man, okay? And I didn't know about it. And I look like the biggest jerk in the world. And last but not least, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So if I didn't learn from coming back off this, if I didn't learn from coming back off of getting divorced, if I didn't learn about coming back off an addiction, those things make you believe you can do it. And there's more people that can relate to divorce and addiction than they can to losing a limb. So that's why this book is important. I'm only telling you the Monarch Notes version, what we can do on this podcast. But most of the questions I get are about people that are going through terrible divorces, or lonely divorces and people that have addictions or their kids have addictions. And this book here will help you understand that you can do it. Again, the human spirit is stronger than anything that can happen to it. You got to believe it. You got to have support. And I believe you have to have faith in God that he's going to bring you through it. Those are the three, three things that I, you know, try to talk about in there. I'm with you hundred percent. And, and, you know, you've said that a million times about the spirit is much stronger than any any of us you could get hit with it. and i want everyone to hear that your spirit is stronger than any of your adversity that you're going through um and, and get this book it's really fabulous i couldn't put it down love it it's one of it's one of my keepers i'm keeping on the special shelf over there um it's such a great thing and kevin's out there speaking and doing some great things to lift people up um anything else you want to share before we get into your shout out I just think it's never too late, never too late to change your life. Wherever you are, if you're in a bad place, make some goals, 
write them down, look for support, and give it your best shot. And that's all that you can ask for. And that's all that anybody around you can ask for. And that's all that your God can ask for. You know, I, th I thoroughly believe that God gives his biggest challenges to his strongest warriors. And he never gives us more than we can handle. Right. A really little quick note that I remember from the nuns teaching us in grade school that I never understood until I got older. There was this guy and he was the biggest complainer in the world. And finally, God sent two angels down to say, hey, you're wearing us out with your complaints. Well, I have a hard life, he said. We well, said, God's given us one opportunity here. We're going to take you to the graveyard of crosses and you're going to be able to pick out any cross you want. Really, I can get rid of this huge cross that I have. Oh, yes, you can get you can pick out any cross that you want. So he went in there and he searched for three hours till he found a cross that was about this big. He said, now, he's not going to let me take this cross, is he? The angel says, you can take that cross. You're kidding me. I'm taking it. You can't take it back. You made a promise. And after they got out, he said, wow, I can't wait to see my new life. And one of the angels said to him, that's the cross you've had this whole life anyway. Oh, wow. That's cool. So put yourself, how big, how big's your cross? And could you carry a little more? And that's the question for you. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that counts is what we do for other people. That's so true. I the know. only thing we take is take the only thing we take it with us when we die is what we give to others. I There's, agree. And that, and that's one of um, Kevin's guiding principles in, in my insightful player. Um, it says. Give other people something to smile about, especially when you don't feel like you've got anything. It's amazing how much that will lift you up as well as bless someone else. Make, Make somebody smile. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. When they ask me, how are you doing? I say, if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> that always gets a smile. <laughs> My wife really wants better. to shoot me. She's heard it a thousand times. <laughs> it's no That's longer funny. funny to her. <laughs> That's funny. Way to go, Paula. Um, <laughs> All right. So you have someone you want to um, speak about today. You want to shout out with someone very. Yeah, special yesterday was a sad day, and you know, you never, <laughs> you never think that you're tough enough not to cry, especially as a man and as you get older with experience. Uh, yesterday, we lost one of our um, former Eagle players, one of the guys I played with. His name was Guy Mars. Really tough guy from University of uh, Kentucky. Um, Played center with the Eagles for several years and a couple with the Patriots. Just a great human being, and he got dementia. And, you know, the guys that played on the offensive line, especially the center, who has to hike the ball between his legs before he can defend himself, and then that defensive tackle has already hit him in the head twice, they are so prone to it. They probably have the largest, you know, dementia of all the playing positions. Anyway, he passed away yesterday. Uh, after struggling with this for over two years. And um, what was amazing to me about his toughness uh, and being a warrior is 12 days ago, he said he wasn't going to eat or drink anything. And he did. It was his way of giving up the ghost. Oh, wow. And yesterday I called to see, to talk <clears throat> to his daughter. And she said, if you want, He's not going to last more than 12 more hours. But if you want, he can hear you, but he can't talk. Do you want to say something to him? What was I going to say? Oh, wow. And I'm on the spot. And I said, yeah, put the phone up to his ear. Well, I never got past this without blubbering. I said, hey, guy, 
this is Riles, number 52. And that was it, man. I couldn't get through it except to say, I'm praying for you. And the last thing I said to him, if you get to heaven before I do, bore a hole and pull me through. <laughs> I know he doesn't know what I was talking about, but that's what I meant. Yeah. And, you know, right there, I just thought, gosh, this guy, he went through the toughest part of his life right at the end. We never know when it's coming. And so be right. prepared. And he was prepared. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so glad you got to speak to him in the last hours of his life. That's what an honor for both of you. Who gives me chills? Yeah, it is. Well, you give me chills, Kevin. You always have. You know, I met you back in 2009. That's how long ago when I first started Insightful Players. So thank you so much for coming on again. And we will have you back. Um, everyone, I really recommend this book. It is awesome. I couldn't put it down. Um, made a big pot of tea and just kept reading. <laughs> it was great, you know? Um, and I won't lend it to anybody or buy it for people because I don't want it to leave. One quick, one quick story on that. I made sure I sent it out to the right people when I first got the book. By the way, it sold over 10,000 copies. Wow. Mostly at my speaking engagements, um, but a couple thousand on Amazon also. But uh, in doing Villanova football, I still broad broadcast to them. Uh, I ran into our president, Father Donahue, and Father's an elite, elite intellectual. And I ran into him and I said, how'd you like my book, Father? And he said, oh, he said, it was very inspiring. He said, now that you're an author. And I said, yeah, you know what? And I want you to tell Father Timmons that I want that C in English changed to an A. <laughs> and he didn't miss a beat. And he said, well, you'll have to go over in front of Austin Hall and dig him up because that's where he is these days. So <laughs> oh, That's funny. That's funny. Um, and how can people get in touch with you, Kevin? Go to my website, K, Kevin, I'm oh, sorry, K Riley, all, a K, R-E-I-L-L-Y.com. Okay. And you can see everything on there and all my information's on there and where I've spoken before, big companies, small companies, and kindergartens. So it's been everywhere and every place, and I love doing it. It's oh, very it's fulfilling, great. and you know yeah. that, Chris. I know, I know. It's You're a tremendous gift, and um, I thank you for coming back on again. You'll be back. No other <laughs> Let's do it again before the Eagles get into the Super Bowl this year. All right. All right. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. So everyone, I want to thank you for listening. If you're interested in getting more support, please reach out to me. I'm happy to start a mastermind where we could all get together and support each other. What do you think? All right. Well, you all have a great rest of your day. And Kevin, thank you so much. You're the best. See you Bye -bye. later. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. The entire Insightful Player podcast initiative is dedicated to the late Tom Constantino. Thank you for watching and listening to the Insightful Player podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. Chrissy is also the author of the book Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of the show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Thank you for your comments, reviews, and sharing the show with others.